In a moment, I'll play back my conversation with Gail Carroll, partly addressing the challenges of serving as a puppy raiser, given that a major part of that responsibility involves taking the puppy to stores, restaurants, airports, and other locations where people gather. When COVID-19, restrictions have largely ruled out access to those places. Right now, though, we're going to step into the Comedy Corner. This is a piece by Tom Shalhoub called Animal Shows in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. I like my animal shows, right? You like the animal shows? Guys like animal shows, right? Come on, we work all day, we wanna go home, we wanna watch animals eat other animals. It relaxes us, I don't know why. I've noticed something, I watch these shows all the time though. Don't they always try to make you feel guilty? Just for being human? They give you that human guilt trip at the end of the show, no matter what species of animal it is, they always come in with the deep voice at the end of the show when the sun is setting, the guy's like, the snow leopard has but one natural enemy. Man. Like I'm killing the snow leopard. I don't even know what it is. I saw this the other night, I got home on TV. This is what's on TV. The condor. The condor is flying in slow motion over the Grand Canyon. And the guy with the deep voice is like, the condor used to have the Grand Canyon to himself until the white man came. I'm like, oh, you gotta make it racial, huh? <laughs> like the condor cares about that. Like there's some black guy hiking in the Grand Canyon. The condor's like, you're okay, dude. <laughs> it's a white man I got a problem with. That was Tom Shalhoub with a piece called Animal Shows, taken from his album Overconfident. Now it's time to hear my conversation with Gail Carroll about puppy raising amidst a pandemic that prevents the raisers from taking their assigned dog to the usual places that are part of the training. I should also note that Gail and her husband Paul have been involved with WNF in various roles for many years. Recorded Thursday, this is Gail Carroll on Talking Animals on WMNF. Thanks for joining us on the show, Gail. It's nice to be here, Duncan. Great. So you and your husband Paul are puppy raisers for Southeastern Guide Dogs. How long have you been doing this? We have been involved since about 2012 uh, was when we started to get involved. And so I guess the fundamental question we should get to almost immediately is what does a puppy raiser do? (laughs) What a puppy raiser does, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief because once I get going, sometimes I just keep going. Sure. But uh, what a puppy raiser does is we are responsible for taking the puppies when they're roughly 10 weeks of age, and it varies depending on uh, a lot of factors. But at around 10 weeks of age, we bring a puppy home, and we then proceed to go to a puppy kindergarten class every week for six weeks. We begin to teach the puppy basic house manners, and our job, for the next year, roughly, is to teach house manners, socialize the puppy, teach them a basic set of commands so that they can execute those commands in your home and then later out in more distracting environments. And effectively to end up with a puppy at about 14 months of age that is oblivious to any sounds or sight or people or enticement and who is totally focused on his or her handler. Before I get into the specifics of that, because this is in some ways why we're chatting today in terms of uh, things that might have disrupted that ideal game plan, how if someone's listening, and and they'll probably become more interested as we chat more, but just so we'll be sure to get this in in our short talk here today, how can someone look 
look into becoming a puppy raiser if this sounds intriguing to them? Oh, thank you for that question, Duncan. Uh, it's a very simple process, and you really don't even have to know a single thing about raising a dog in order to become a puppy raiser. You just have to have the desire. And so the easiest way to find out about it is to visit the website for Southeastern Guide Dogs, and you can find that at guidedogs.org. And on there, there is a, a very prominent tab that says Become a Puppy Raiser. And if you are interested, you can fill out an application, and you will be contacted then by an area coordinator who is responsible for a group of puppy raisers in a geographic region. For example, in Pinellas County, which is a very large county here in Florida, we have five puppy raiser groups. And you end up going to meeting twice a month with your group of fellow puppy raisers and the puppies that are being raised in that group. And so we want to make it convenient so that people don't have to travel for hours to get somewhere. The short answer is you go to the website, you fill out the application to become a puppy raiser, someone gets in touch with you, and you get invited to attend meetings. And yeah. Sounds simple, yeah. It is. Very simple. Great. All right, so that little detour, but I think it was important because, again, as we talk more and even people who might have been mulling this over and saying, you know, that looks like kind of a cool thing to do, and as we get our chat going, maybe even more so, so I'm glad that we hit on that. But so let's circle back from where we left off before the information on how to become a puppy raiser with what the task is that you've outlined and for how long a period, the year or so that you're with that puppy and what the sort of objectives are. Because for most of this pandemic period, I've been asking many of the guests on the show whether they've been with shelters, sanctuaries, animal-oriented businesses, and so on. What sort of impact COVID-19 has had on what they do? And there's been, of course, an an interesting array of answers and and adaptations. But it occurred to me the other day, which is why I wanted to invite you on the show today, that a central aspect of being a puppy raiser, although there's a lot of things that you've noted that happen at home and teaching and refining good manners there, etc. But over time, at least, you're also supposed to really, as I understand it, be out and about to stores and restaurants and ball games and airports, flight even radio stations, uh, whatever, so that they're getting used to things, habituated to all kinds of things, and as you said at the end of your description, so they're kind of oblivious to sounds and sights and other things that, having not done so, might unsettle your average dog. So when the pandemic limited all that, I'd be very interested to know, because I think overlapping that, you had your latest puppy, Zappa, arrive, right? When, when did Zappa arrive, in fact? Zappa arrived in our home around mid-March, okay. and he was born in late January. So he was not a very old puppy and a very tiny puppy. Yeah. We had originally intended to get him in April. And then when the pandemic hit, we said, well, why not go ahead and get a puppy now? I see. And of course, Southeastern was very interested in getting all of the puppies placed because as the pandemic took hold and with social distancing requirements, of course, the school could not have in-person classes and they were not doing tours of the facilities. And most of the people were working at home and as it ended up only the puppies who were there at the school with their mothers having just been born were the only dogs on campus. And also I would think from what you described earlier in the uh, how to become a puppy raiser section that those nice meetings that you described that happened sort of uh, organized by geography were I assume 
curtailed, at least temporarily, and I don't know if that went to Zoom or something else, but I assume the meetings where people would get together and talk about puppy raising and have their puppies there and whatever had to be suspended for the time being. Absolutely, and in fact, those meetings are still not going on. Yeah. Um, we have very strict guidelines from the school who are following the CDC guidelines, of course, about no large group meeting. And so what we've had to eliminate from our normal practice of puppy raising is we're not doing meetings twice a month, so we don't all get together. And what that does is it's not only a nice socialization for the raisers and especially for a new raiser to learn from experienced raisers. Sure. But it's also an essential thing to get the puppies used to being around other puppies and still behaving, still being able to execute their commands. Right. But as we know, dogs are pack animals, so the natural thing they want to do is get together and play and have a good time. Right. And there's a time and a place for that, but it's not at meetings. Meetings are about obedience and about learning how to go to places like the mall and grocery stores and the buses and airports, as you mentioned. So we have no meetings, we have no group outings, and we can't allow the puppies to be greeted by people, which is another essential skill to teach the puppies how to do it properly and not jump on someone, right? They need to be able to be calm and sit yeah. and be greeted and petted. But it also helps to teach the puppies that people are good. Kinds of people are good, and you should be happy to see people. But it's a really interesting thing when we can go into places like grocery stores and in the old days, the pre-virus, when we could have people come up and greet the puppy. So the puppy's in a more distracting environment than he is normally. Some A stranger is coming up to them, and maybe you're just stopping to talk to the stranger. And the puppy needs to learn things like, okay, when this happens, I just go in a down position, which means they just go down on the floor and they're just calm. So it's a real developmental thing for the puppy. So when we can't do all of those things, the school got really creative, I have to say. To begin with, since we got Zappa, he had to go to puppy kindergarten. Now, I'm a puppy kindergarten teacher for our crew. So technically, I could have just taught our puppy everything that he needed to know. Yeah. But there's another aspect, again, back to the socialization. When you're doing a puppy kindergarten class normally in person, you have multiple puppies and their raisers coming to these very small group sessions and learning together. And that's the initial way that we teach the puppies, no, at a meeting, which is what a kindergarten is, you don't get to go and play with that puppy. We're here to learn. And and so that starts very, very early, and these puppies missed all of that. But what the school did was they started doing kindergarten via Facebook Live. Okay. And so everybody that had a new puppy would tune in at a certain time, and we could also review it later because they saved it on, the, on a YouTube channel for us all to look at. We could all follow along with the puppy kindergarten. And in the case of Zappa, we're doing something a little bit different. We are co-raising Zappa, which means we're sharing him between two families, kind of like joint custody of a puppy. Yeah. So what we did was we would all watch the Facebook Live presentation by the regional manager on the each week for the puppy kindergarten sessions, and then we would have our own Zoom session between us and our co-raisers. Oh, wow, neat. Okay, yeah. So we, could, we did a double lesson, and then we practiced all week, and then 
like we typically would do in a regular puppy kindergarten session. So we practice all week. But what was really helpful was because we couldn't be there in person, it's really helpful to say, okay, the puppy is doing this and I don't know why. And so we'd say, okay, all right, let's look at this. Show us what you're doing. Okay, you're reaching for your treat too soon or you're not positioning this puppy the proper way. And so it was a really great way to interactively um, help our co-raisers along in the process. They also had virtual troubleshooting sessions for anybody going through puppy kindergarten. So if you were having a problem with your puppy, you'd come on. It was a Zoom session, so it would be interactive, and they'd set up separate rooms so that the trainers and regional managers could help with individual problems that were being experienced by razors. Now, now I have to go ahead. I was just going to say that as we sort of were talking about a little bit before we uh, officially went on the air, that the pandemic and all the restrictions thereof, so many cases have made people people and organizations and companies and whatever so adaptive and creative and improvising around the limitations that the uh, COVID-19 has imposed and this just sounds like yet another example I mean there's so many things that would normally happen for a, a dog that's in puppy raising stage that obviously we as we've addressed cannot happen but these ideas about how to shore up at least some of those gaps are uh, mm-hmm. really really interesting and again in some ways almost a boon to Zappa maybe compared to some that you guys are co-raising Zappa so that there's almost sort of additional classroom and kindergarten action that there might not have been for a dog that was just raised by one family. That's right. And in his other family, there is another dog and there are three cats. And we don't have other pets in our family. Okay. So the circumstances in the different households make it an effective way of of starting the socialization. And and the creativity, I want to get back to the creativity of Southeastern because I'm so impressed with it. So because we can't do two meetings a month in our group, Southeastern is doing two virtual meetings a month and they're covering specific skills and then inviting everyone to practice those skills and to reach out if they have any questions and they've offered all kinds of troubleshooting sessions if you're having any sort of problems with your puppies let us know we will get you in line for you know help on these troubleshooting sessions and we'll help you do things but other things that come out from southeastern and i sent you one of these duncan yeah, is i was going to ask set some of things about it yeah calendar sure. challenges yeah. which is really an interesting way to keep razors connected and keep puppies trained and keep them getting trained so a calendar challenge something very simple each day. For example, um, put your puppy in a downstay and walk around them three times in a circle and make sure that they stay. Well, I really responded. And, oh, I was just going to say real quickly, I should have said this before. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss, and my guest is Gail Carroll, who with her husband Paul is a longtime puppy raiser, helping these uh, canines prepare to become guide dogs for Southeastern Guide Dogs. Carroll's also maintain a longtime affiliation with WMNF, and this interview was recorded Thursday. So I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, some of the things that I had picked out to talk about sort of nearing the end of our time here, um, Gail, were struck me as particularly geared for things that would sort of help supplant what couldn't happen by, again, not being able to go out and about and be exposed to certain sounds or experiences. But go ahead. You mentioned one or two. Maybe I'll mention one or two that grabbed my eye, too. Okay. Well, I mean, the calendar challenges are just simple ways for everyone to um, keep in practice, to make sure that the puppies remain getting trained in some fashion every day. And out of these calendar challenges and the virtual meetings, we get really wonderful suggestions because the trainers know that the puppies aren't getting social 
socialized in the same way. So they've made suggestions to us like, go and sit with your puppy in the driveway. That's driveway socialization. So you take a chair out, you've got your bottle of water, you've got your puppy on a leash, and you just sit there and you watch the world go by. You watch people walk by, you watch dogs walk by, cars and trucks, lawnmowers, blowers, bird sounds, all of these things really help the puppy just kind of learn how to be calm even when strange things might be happening around you, especially for a a young puppy. That can be a little intimidating. Other things they've told us to do is make sure that you put your puppy in his puppy coat every day and go somewhere. Put him in the car. Mm. Get him out of the car. Go to a park. So we've been doing socialization as we can safely. So we go to park. We have, um, we do things called buddy walk. We can only have two puppies together at a time under the current guidelines. So two puppies and two razors, it's permitted with a mask on to go and walk along next to one another, Mm. to go out to an outdoor location and have the puppies at least be exposed to another puppy in a coat, another and learn how to walk along together. Um, We've done things like we've gone to public and for a brand new puppy, going to Publix is is a huge thing, so you have to do it very, very slowly. Sure. So we go into Publix only when it's not busy, sit at the front of the Publix and just watch the world go by, get the puppy to step on and get weighed on the scale, which is a fun activity because as the puppy grows and you go to your usual Publix, all the cashiers are going, how much did he weigh now? How much, where is he now? And they, yeah. everybody thinks it's adorable. So we do those kinds of things. So we're able to do some level of socialization. It's not the same, but it's, it's what we can do. So yeah. that's what we're doing. That's great. Well, we're sort of at the very end of our time and then maybe a little bit past that at this point, but it's so interesting. So let me just ask you one final question, if I could, Gail. So with that in mind and all the improvisation and really cool creative ideas that you've mentioned, compared to what you outlined at the beginning of our talk about the normal timetable about when the puppies then would go back and then resume their training, does this, the limitations of COVID-19, alter the timetable at all? Well, I think it is going to alter the timetable simply by understanding that if we cannot have classes to match these puppies with visually impaired people, then we have a lot of puppies that are out here that are ready, perhaps, to be matched that can't be. So we end up with with more puppies in the pipeline than the pipeline can spit out the other end, if I can use that as an analogy. I think so. So it it is certainly expected that the puppies are going to be with razors for at least a couple months longer than they typically would. And as the school starts to have classes, they're not going to have in-person classes right away, but instead are having much smaller classes. Mm -hmm. They're taking fewer puppies in each month once we start to take puppies back into college, which is what we refer to it as. And so that's naturally going to be a restrictor, if you will, on the number of puppies that can get through the pipeline and get out to people who need their help. Gotcha. Well, this to me is super fascinating as just yet another offshoot of what happens when there's the limitations that we've all experienced with uh, COVID-19. But this has all kinds of implications and ripple effects, and it's been fascinating to hear about many of them. So this has been Gail Carroll. And again, she's a puppy raiser for Southeastern Guide Dogs. And if you want to find out more, including how you too might become a puppy raiser, you just go to guidedogs.org and uh, find that information right there on their fabulous website. So, Gail, thanks so much for filling us in today on Talking Animals. I appreciate it. Thank you, Duncan. And it's been a lot of fun, and, and we need all the puppy raisers we can get. So, all thank right. you so much. Thank you.
I'm Duncan Strauss, and you're listening to Talking Animals. Coming up at 11 on WMNF, it's Rob Lorai with Radioactivity. Meanwhile, on this show at the moment, as the prize for Name That Animal Tune, I'll be offering a Talking Animals t-shirt. As a reminder, we do Name That Animal Tune differently these days. Rather than call if you know the tune, please email me at duncan at wmnf.org with your guess of the song title. Again, a Talking Animals t-shirt to the first person who emails duncan at wmnf.org and correctly identifies this animal song. It's named that animal tune on Talking Animals on WMNF. the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Our website is TalkingAnimals.net. Stay tuned for Rob Lorai. This is Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa, Brandon, Clearwater, Largo, Wikiwachi, and beyond.